make sure you have enough in savings that you can live off for six months if you would be cut off from all your income resources that you could survive where you live at that moment for six months with zero income. Hello, good evening, good evening. I'm taking the intro for today. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. And uh, welcome to a brand new edition of Social Convos. Diego, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, you sound a bit different today. I'm using a different audio. Is it is the audio quality good enough or should I switch? It's workable, but the other one was It's better. workable. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, uh, I'm actually on a different headset due to the fact that I was watching the game a little bit earlier. So Diego, what are we going to do today? Well, as mentioned last week, uh, we are going to do an Ask Me Anything. And today, we, apparently I'm the test subject for today. So, <laughs> and we'll, have, we'll throw you under the bus next week. But without further ado, since the last episode, I basically shared several posts on different social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, on some stories. And we got some questions in from different people. So I've compiled them for you. So you can go through them, the mix them up however you want. And let's just get into this. Okay, so there, there are a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And I'm going to start off a little bit easy. What fictional character do you relate to most and why? If it comes down to fictional characters, we can probably break that break it down in the different categories. But if it comes down to relate to, yeah, that, that's a, a bit of a tough one. But if we're going comics, I really like Wolverine okay. from the, the Marvel comics in the sense of, yeah, he, he, he doesn't, he just does his own thing. And just, just to bring it into perspective why Wolverine, aside that he's a, you know, mutant individual regenerative powers and no he's, he's just raw strength wolverine and i'm gonna bring it a step further with if you're talking about animals okay i relate most to it the wolves okay now it makes sense now it makes sense so you relate most with okay so do you have the the three wolf shirt do you know the story about the three wolf shirt I do not enlighten me. So, so anybody that's never heard about the story about the three wolf shirt, if you go on the Amazon, onto Amazon, and you type in three wolf shirts, you will go, you'll get a shirt with three wolves on it, and the reviews for that shirt are just amazing. It's the coolest reviews you'll ever see on a on a shirt. So it's it's kind of an old an old gimmick, but I do want to jump in and the Wolverine question. So first of all, are you more a Marvel Marvel or a DC person? I think that's most of the viewers should already know this Marvel hands down. So you're more of a Marvel person. So well, let's jump into the subject of NFTs. So what specific Marvel moment would you like to have an NFT from? Marvel moment. Probably the, the epic scenes was in uh, Endgame when all the portals opened and everyone showed up. But if we're 
more like underrated, the smaller movies. I thoroughly enjoyed Deadpool. So basically, any moment within Deadpool where he pulls out the, the lame jokes and sort of sarcasm, I would uh, NFT any of those. Okay, okay. So you would have a pretty large NFT, Marvel NFT collection, I guess. Okay, let's jump into one of the things about teaching. If you could teach everyone in the world one concept, what concept would have the biggest positive impact on humanity? Wow, we're jumping in with big questions already. So let me re- let me reread that question. If you could teach everyone in the world one concept, what concept would have the biggest positive impact on humanity? I thought I'd had to think about this one longer, but the first thing that comes to mind is first principles thinking. Okay. As in, have you heard of it, first principles thinking? No, enlighten me. Please, please elaborate. So it's basically, yeah, a way of thinking. And I I didn't really know it had like a a name, a specific name or how people categorized it. But it's recently been very popularized by Elon Musk is one of the prime examples of using first principles thinking. Naval Ravikant as well. And what it comes down to is you break down concepts, ideas, problems into the most fundamental aspects that you can't break it down anymore. And then you kind of reconstruct those fundamental elements into either a solution or a frame of reference that you can use to solve any problem. Uh, The common example with Elon Musk is how he kind of approaches SpaceX on how he built the affordable rockets. If you break down the rocket into its component parts, is very cheap components, relatively cheap components, and you put them together again in an affordable way. You have the same solution with in a more efficient and less wasteful approach. So, how would you apply this in, in, in daily life? Do you have like a more like instead of a SpaceX example? Uh, Rajiv really likes the first principle thinking as well, so he believes that's a great one. But for you, like, how can we? First principle thinking because you're you're coming up with Nafal and and Elon two people who many people look up to but how can you apply first principle thinking to like more personal relatables? Let, let, let's look at it from a personal approach. Everyone has to deal with you know personal finance, budgeting, and understanding, basically surviving in a local community, whatever. If you break that down into understanding how the economy works and bring those ideas back to the time when you had barter trade and everything and actually understand what trading is, what money is, you'll soon realize that it's just a medium. And if you break that down into very, very fundamental components, you would be able to save more, find a way on, in how to you know make that money work for you, for example. And that's kind of... Okay. Uh, my approach to that, if you look at why, where my fascination for personal finance has come into play. But even in business, so we've talked a lot about business entrepreneurship with several guests, marketing as well. Uh, apply first principles to marketing and business, for example. You look at what, what really speaks to people. And maybe it's very derivative of first principle thinking. It doesn't go quite to the root. But if you ask several questions on why would someone buy, why should you post so so many times on social media, why does it work, the algorithm as well. If you think to the level of the algorithm, for example, you quickly understand like, 
okay, it doesn't make sense to post on Facebook, but to move on to LinkedIn and post twice, twice a day or three times a day. But that can go even further in doing business. Do you even need to post on social media? Yeah. Because then the question becomes, you know, do you need business? You, you just need another partner to agree or a, another party to agree to the supply you provide and what they want. That's the core concept, supply and demand. That's one of first principle concepts I could think of that applies to a lot of things, a simpler supply and demand. But now I want to do a follow-up question. You've seen Social Dilemma? I have. Okay. Been so, a while ago, but yeah. I, I yeah, have. but okay. So, so in Social Dilemma, they talk about like kind of how like they need you to remain active on the platform. And it's even worse that if you don't interact with people for quite some time, either they're going to ask you to interact or they're going to punish you for being inactive, especially for companies if, they're, if they are not consistent, if they don't consistently post, they kind of see their engagement lower down. And, and, and thinking from a first principle perspective, you raise the question, should you need social media for your company? Where I would, of course, say from a marketing perspective, yes, you need, but, but do you really need it? Could you survive as a company without social media? without you being on social media? So it, it depends. I, I'd say I'm going to give a diplomatic answer on this. I won't say it's 100% necessary, but it depends on what you want to do where and in what branch or if you are in uh, remotely in anything online, then yes, a social media presence would help. But there are still like solutions, companies that can do a lot of offline work in like smaller local communities. Look at how we did business like 100 years ago, even maybe 30 years ago without the internet. The internet was, is just an added layer for extra reach, more input. But I won't necessarily say that's a necessity depending on how much you want to grow. Maybe you just want to make enough and live somewhere in the woods, disconnected from everything and enjoy, you know, fishing your own things. But if you're talking about modern day business, then I'd say it's useful to look at the social media platforms and, you know, always adapt. But I would discard Facebook for now and look at the next evolution of the internet. So we were talking about internet. There's probably going to have follow-up questions on that. But if you look at internet 1.0, this was around 2000, and you had internet 2.0 with social media coming up around 2010. And now we're 10 years later, and people are already talking about web 3.0. So probably some questions around that. Okay, okay. So, so I'm going to do a connecting question for that. Joseph agrees certain sectors do not need internet. And Neil just uh, joined in as well. So let's do a connecting question. Which online platforms do you actively use? We're not just talking social media, but like what, where, where are you most active? And maybe share a little bit why as well. So if we're talking about consumption, it's uh, a lot of YouTube, uh, a lot of YouTube and recently Twitch as well. Okay. And if we're talking about like posting, like sharing stuff. Yeah, YouTube, it's more like an archive now. But I've been building this, you know, little habit on Instagram, trying to post like every Monday and Thursday and building that over. And the plan with that is to tr eventually transition to LinkedIn. I 
I've been using Facebook for, you know, social convos since we started, but basically my whole Facebook feed now is just social convos, but I'm planning to migrate from the Facebook platforms like uh, Facebook, Instagram to more LinkedIn and more very targeted oriented. I've been slacking on Hive. So Diego, why is this not being broadcasted on your Facebook? I think we didn't do it because the, the software we were using, we were limited at a point of time, but now we're not limited anymore, but we never expanded to other channels. That so, was it. We had max, uh, before we upgraded the account, we had max three accounts that we could connect and we picked the three accounts that would have the most potential reach at that time. Yeah, that was it. So that's interesting. Okay, so let's let's do connecting question to where we're going with that. How feasible is earning money online for the standard Surinamese person? Uh, you can't receive via PayPal, for instance. So like, what would you recommend if they're like people in Suriname who want to earn uh, online? Yeah, we definitely touched on this very, very early on uh, with the episode of Rahim and he gave some solutions. But from my personal experience and personal approach, I'd say it is feasible. It's actually easier now than when I started looking into it. Uh, there's platforms like you know, a wise and pioneer, which are the most prominent one. A lot of you people use pioneer and my personal recommendation would be wise, previously transfer wise, but keep in mind the intention that you shouldn't expect to get that money in your bank account directly. It is a way to receive money, but that is where there's still a barrier, I think. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a barrier, but a change of mindset is necessary on how to utilize it as in have it there to actually use it for online stuff, but not necessarily if, if that's all your only source of income and you need it here, obviously pioneer has the option to use their, their debit card to get money from it, but there are options and the most prominent one are pioneer and transferwise uh, wise, which is, which are they call it now. And, I see a comment uh, from Joseph, can it then be cashed out? And this is exactly what I mean with, this is the mindset you need to change. Explain, explain what the mindset changes that we need to make when we consider making money online. The first time, I don't think it was it the first time, but one, I actually, I remember this feeling and when it actually happened, I shot a few years ago stock footage videos and post published it on this stock video platform, right? And yeah, for, for years, I think one or one and a half years, nothing happened. And out of the blue, I did have PayPal back then and I had connected it in a way. I connected my PayPal to that platform. So I suddenly got an email like you've received 32 or $33 in your PayPal account. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? Where did this even come from? <laughs> and well, what what it was, was someone actually purchased a, a, like a 10 second clip of a campfire that I published for $50. And of course the platform takes some fees and you get the rest. And that was deposited in my PayPal account. So with that, I mean the mindset you need to change is you have it there in your account. You can use PayPal on, for other stuff. So you use that directly from that wallet or that platform to purchase or subscribe to other stuff and not necessarily that you need it here in cash. 
Okay, but that's, then you then you get into the investment principle, meaning like, okay, you're gonna invest the money and you're not like gonna spend it straight away. You're actually gonna find a way to make it become worth more over time. Well, in that sense, it was you know maybe pay for a Netflix subscription or maybe pay for something on Amazon that you saw. Okay, yeah. But yeah, we can go into the investing part in a bit. No, well, actually, the the next question is what kind of advice would you give people that really have the need for already or already for financial freedom? Like, what would your advice be for those people? I think these people need to think really hard first what financial freedom means for them. Okay, so elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, so there's been this hype or yeah, it's been becoming more prevalent lately. Like, you know, that you have movements like the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early and some other stuff retire by 30 or 40. Yes, it is possible, but you have to be very deliberate in your decisions and your lifestyle. And what would financial freedom mean for you as in, are you willing to actually invest time and resources in education, in financial education, namely. Um, a lot of people see the dream, yeah, you know, retire by 35, have your own house, blah, blah, blah. But the first thing I'd say you have to understand is how money works. And the second thing is saving. And we already recorded a episode with Greg on the Capital Convos podcast on that part where he talked about like different models on how you can map that out a bit. But what it comes down to, if you have debt, make sure you pay off that first or use it strategically because not all debt is bad, I'd say. But the most important thing is you have to have disposable income. And my rule of thumb is if, if I have to give one piece of advice, create a buffer. What's your expenses per year? or per month, I mean, and make sure you have enough in savings that you can live off for six months. It could be three or a year, depending, but I'd recommend start with six months. If you would be cut off from all your income resources that you could survive where you live at that moment for six months with zero income, and that's your buffer. Only then think about using the excess money for investment. That's my number one recommendation. Okay. okay, okay. I do want to jump in a little bit more to that, but we might do it later. So what is one thing you really wanted to do, but you've never done, and why? Actually, a, a lot of things I have wanted to do. I've actually done like uh, crazy stuff, like you know, jumping out of an airplane, jumping out of a ledge with a rope on your, on your feet, <laughs> bungee jumping. Okay, which one felt more dangerous? The bungee jump or the parachute jump? Actually, I actually felt safe with both of them. Okay. But if I had to recommend somebody to do it in a certain order, I would recommend do the bungee first and then do the skydive. Because if you do the skydive first, my personal experience was the bungee was kind of underwhelming. Like, ah, you jump, this is it. The, the thrill of it, the adrenaline rush, it's kind of pales compared to the skydiving for me in that sense. But it makes it, it kind of makes sense because the speed, the height, everything with with the free fall from a parachute jump, of course, is it's multiplied. Yeah, okay. 
and I, but I won't call it like the, the most fearful or critical point is the moment you stand at the ledge or like at the, at the door of the plane. That's the most, you know, that that's going to get you the most. But the moment you take that step, it's like everything just disappears. You're in kind of a state of bliss. I would do the plane jump first because then the bungee jump wouldn't be as scary. But <laughs> you recommend the other way around. So Diego, if you could turn back time, we should do it. Yes or no? And why? If I could turn back time, like for, for me, myself, like yeah, for uh, my, my experience. Obviously, you know more now. If you can go back with the same knowledge, then sure. But if it's just a reset and you have to get back here and or maybe change something, I won't. Because it's the experiences you've made throughout all the years that basically got you where you are now and influence the way you think. I would say no. If it's for that particular reason to change something, I would say no. But obviously, if you have the same knowledge and you've, you you know, built, you can build something and implement it, predict something 20 years ahead, implement it, then sure, why not use it for good? Okay, okay, use it for good. So what would you change if you could go back in time? Yeah, that, that's what I said. I, I won't change anything for me. You want to change, okay. That, that, that brought me to this trajectory. You would just buy, you would just buy a thousand Bitcoin in 2011. <laughs> if I could, if I could, no, but I won't change it because... If that happened, uh, let me clarify. If that happened, I'm not sure if I was mature enough at that time and what impact that would have on my decision-making now. Because if you bring it into perspective... We wouldn't have this podcast. I'm pretty sure of that. Exactly. If you put it into perspective, maybe I would have even lost it all. And, you know, because there's, there's been bull and bear markets crashes Maybe I lost it back then and I was like, no, screw it. I'm not looking into this anymore. But the, the way it went, it's like a, it was a gradual process. We're just going to quickly jump back to the social part because there are a couple of questions and I'm not pretty sure I fully understand this question, but what was the biggest effort ever on social? So I assume it's something that we've had to pull off for social convos, right? In that context, I think... Or unless you're interpreting it differently. Well, we're going to use that one. Okay, so could you repeat it just for clarity? So what, is, what was the biggest, effort, the biggest effort ever on social? I think the biggest effort up till this point for us was actually the first two to three weeks, basically committing to this weekly schedule and setting up the infrastructure. No. Yeah, and, and that's whenever, you know, we, we had no idea if people were going to watch. We had no idea who we'd get on. But the effort to just commit to this regular cadence, I think that was a big step. Okay, so so let's keep it at the podcast for us for a second. What is actually the first podcast that you ever li- listened to? Hmm, I have to think about this for a second. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can clearly recall if I even knew what podcasting was back then, you know, but I'd have to say one of my so you want to biggest first podcast. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm setting it up. If, if you're talking about on a streaming. Okay. I, I got it. If you're talking about my, you know, 
my personal journey towards self-development and learning the, the, the thirst for knowledge. It was when I encountered the, the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. I at first listened to the audiobook and kind of was, you know, really liking what was written in there. And I think Tim Ferriss, the Tim Ferriss show was one of, I think, the first podcast I actually subscribed to and listened to the episodes because you could hear recommendations in it. And he had the Tim.blog uh, website. So I just went on the website to see what topics were covered or who was being interviewed. So I think it's either one of the episodes from Tim Ferriss, from Tim Ferriss show. That's probably it, yeah. Sorry, could, can you recall what the episode was about? No, that, that, that's asking for a bit too much, but it was probably around, yeah, no. I, I, I do remember one of my favorite episodes, which was very recent, I think last year or something, is where he interviewed Hugh Jackman, basically Wolverine. Okay. Oh, well, Wolverine, we're, we're getting to the Wolverine yeah, part again. to bring it full circle. It, it was a very, yeah. very wholesome episode and very eloquent in the way they, they put things into perspective. So I really enjoyed that one. Interesting. How do you feel so far being the one that's being interviewed? Like that all the focus on this show will be about you as, as an introvert. How does that feel? Are you used to it now? I'm actually pretty used to it by now. If you ask me like two, three years ago to do this, like, all right, nah, I think I'll pass. But this, you know, this, this journey we've been on and I've gotten used to uh, going on the camera, basically live. And I really don't give a, you know, what people think anymore. So <laughs> I just say what's on my mind. <laughs> awesome. So that means you get to ask questions. So for those of you who are watching, you can ask questions. I'll jump into the question of Anil in a second because it kind of relates to the next question, which is what will the future of the podcast look like? Well, we discussed this, but now from what do you want to achieve personally? So for you, Diego, for Social Confos and for I think for the Confos podcast in general, what, how do you see the future? We've gone back and forth on this like in last last week's episodes and when we had the other guests on but to reiterate on that and put some more emphasis for me personally it's kind of more a, a learning journey and if i had to project it a few years further i do hope that we can like five years further at least still have a semblance of uh, a podcast and see where we've grown. But if we're looking at more of a industry business perspective, I do hope or do want to, you know, develop this space here in uh, Suriname and basically show that it's possible to operate a international kind of brand through a podcast headquartered here in the Caribbean beside a river or something, and away from that fast-paced, high-cost life. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. Okay, might jump into that a little bit more next week. So Anil's question kind of relates to it. Where do you see yourself in, let's say, 10, 10 years from now? I, I would want to have that freedom of, or let's not call it freedom, but lack of worry to be able to, to survive daily and just be able to, you know, create 
experiment with stuff. If it's, I want to do a video or a fun project, I should be able to do that without, you know, having that weight or that nagging feeling behind, okay, no, I, you need to make do for this year or something like that. So being able to just react on something instinctual without having to worry on the immediate consequences that it would have financially or, you know, in my daily life. Well, let's continue a little bit with the podcast. As Gregory wants to know, do you have a tutorial on how to start a podcast? Do you want the short answer or the long answer? Well, we'll do the first, the short answer, and then we can go elaborate a little bit on, on that answer. So you just pick up your phone, either the camera or the recording app, and you click record. That's the short answer. I love it. <laughs> and now the, the longer answer, the little bit, the, the more detailed yeah, answer. Yeah, the, the, the more elaborate answer. You just got to start. The short answer, you just click record. But yes, we have, I'd say I would be able to make a tutorial, but there's tutorials online. You can find anything online. But if you would like, you know, a, a structured, you would like guidance from somebody. Yes, I could offer that. If there's enough demand, we could maybe even make a course for it. And maybe Ineffable wants to host it and we make a pod, create your own podcast training over a few days. Ding, so ding, that, ding, that's ding, an idea. Ding, there ding, we go. Ding, ding. All right. So yes, we, 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 we will have a tutorial on how to start a podcast. Yes. Okay. So I guess that's one of the ambitions we'll have for 2022 is to do a create your own podcast tutorial slash course ready so we can start working on it now i guess yeah fair enough yeah that's fair right not not putting any pressure on this year but on 2022 we need to to need to have that glad to hear that you will attend gregory we might do a prelude to it during the social media conference if there's enough demand for it we might be able to because we kind of did it last year but this year maybe you want i've written i've personally recommended you as host diego just so you know i recommended you as the panel host for the conference this year so you're hearing this year first on social confos all right we need to talk about this <laughs> <but sure. laughs> so okay so we we making the commitment that in 2022 gregory diego will be hosting a course on how to create a podcast so maybe we can jump into a couple of podcast questions which is like what's the best way to get guests on your podcast you just ask and th th this comes down you may think you know the, the answer are pretty short but this comes down back to the first principle thinking i've mentioned before it is a fundamental simple thing to do it is we as human beings and as a society that add complex layers to it and you'd be surprised i i was used to be like that you'd be surprised and i actually still am like that to, you know, it's very intimidating to approach someone who has, has a certain status or is in a certain industry to, just to just ask. But from recent experiences that we've had, you just ask somebody and they just say, you know, yes, you, you'd be surprised as to how willing people actually are to, you know, help out or be a, be a guest on your show or, or whatever. So you just ask. And to be a bit more practical, tactical, you don't just, yeah, I said you just ask, but if it's someone you don't know yet or have never interacted with, you've kind of, you're consuming them, their content, of course, but be of value to them first. Give them feedback on what they're doing or appreciate something they've done and just build that relationship over time without actually 
forcing something through. Like within the first, let's, can you, okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And then, you know, it, it's something you got to practice with, but when you see an opportunity or an opening, just ask if they say no, that's great. Maybe it wasn't the right time, but the important thing is you've asked, it is in their inbox, their DM, whatever. Maybe a year later, you see an opportunity again and they will remember that moment. And they might even see how you've grown and like, okay, maybe this is the right time. Okay. So that's an approach I'd recommend. Okay. We, we have somebody else in the comments. We, we would be pretty interested in a base of podcast. I'm pretty sure about that. So if you have already have the room and you want to purchase a set to do, to do a show. So we covered this last week about new shows and new podcasts that are coming up. Like if you already have a setup and you kind of already have an audience like uh, Yetro has, Diego, where, what would be the first place to start? So could, could you bring that into some more context for me so I could give a more like direct okay. answer? There are several Surinamese people, if they go live, they acquire between 50 and 100 views when they go live on Facebook already. So they kind of already have an audience, an audience want, that wants to listen, wants to hear. But then the only difference between like a podcast and like a live is there's a lot more entertainment on a live. Like we are kind of just talking because we're recording this for the sake of listening purposes. Of course, we're, we're adding video to it that people see our face. But in, in the reality, the end version, the one that you can listen to on. And we discussed this, the difference between a show and a podcast. And for the podcast, the audio is much more important. People want to listen to it during their commute. While they're cleaning their home, they're listening to the voice and discussing what valuable content is being discussed. So like, how do you make the switch doing a regular Facebook Live where you have like tens of people, even hundreds of people that are watching to switching it up to a podcast, which is kind of more, yeah, it's more structured, more set up, more focused on audio. I would say, depending on what kind of personality or show you have on your Facebook Live or whatever, how well do you think that would translate to an audio-only format? Especially if you're doing video content, right? People usually tune in for some funny face or something you do, and that, that's the entertainment value in that. Something you got to understand, and we've mentioned this in a previous episode when we did our reflection, is the podcasting format. It can be a, a show, can be a podcast, but a podcast doesn't. Am I saying it right? Necessarily have to be a show. So a podcast is just a means of distribution. If you look at the fundamental core concepts of it, it's just a means of distribution through an RSS feed, and usually you'd want evergreen content or structured content or very narrative storytelling content on that while eliminating visuals. Of course, you have podcasts on YouTube with video and they record that as a show. But if you take just the audio and distribute it through the audio platforms, that is in essence a podcast. <laughs> okay. So I'm doing for a gospel and on positive thinking and achieving things that you are not never that you could never have imagined. That's very in, inspiring. And I'm laughing because I'm thinking of one of the earliest episodes when we had Jay over, Jay Austin over, and we were discussing a, a podcast topic called That's Some BS. I'm not gonna use the full full sentence. I'm talking like inspirational stuff that you could never imagine that really happened. 
So I just want to ask you, what's the story that you have that if you tell people, people will be like, yeah, but Diego, that never happened. Let me think about this. While I think about this, let me just add one thing to the previous question on, you know, how to start a podcast. If you're really serious about the podcast, if you really want to make something from it, treat it like a startup. Treat it like a startup, as in you're basically a media company. Make your vision, describe what your niche audience is. Of course, you can always expand on it, but treat it like a startup and look at how, you know, how you're going to fund it. Obviously, we self-fund it and we are very bootstrap-like, but for the long term, have that in place. Because once you get rolling from the content side, you want to sustain it from a business side. And that dynamic is going to play at a later stage. And the earlier you start with that, I think the more chance you have to have longevity with it. Okay, but now... Let's let's get a little bit practical because I feel there's interest. Gregory is also saying I'm serious about it. I want to know more. So, does your first, do you start with purchasing the software? Do you start with buying a new mic, a podcasting mic? Do you start with having your own space? Where 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 do you start? The easiest way, as I said, hit record on your phone. That is the easiest way to start just to get into the zone, just to get a feel of it. And then obviously you need a distribution platform, a host of some sort. Popular now is Anchor, but there's tons of other hosts. You can just Google some and see. We, if you want to know what we personally use as a host, we use Red Circle. Uh, that's where our, all our files are hosted and that's got pushed to the website, to Spotify, to Apple Podcasts. That's basically the two things you need. But you're, I guess, a little more tech-oriented than most people. Would you recommend Anchor to anybody who's starting a podcast or you're saying like, it's not necessarily to, necessary to use Anchor? I've never used Anchor, but from the people that have used it, it is very beginner-friendly and it closes the barrier to entry for a lot of people. So I'd say experiment with it, see how that is for you. And if you're more serious, you want to have your own hosting, then you can go the other route, which we took basically. Yeah, I think the, the best part about Anchor is that it's owned by Spotify, meaning that if you upload on, on Anchor, your your show definitely gets distributed to, to Spotify straight away, which is, which is really, really awesome, actually. So have you had time to think about the answer to the question? Or yes, can, can you rephrase the questions just for context? The, the question for context, the question is, is there a story from, by Diego of something that happened that if you would tell other people, they would be like, nah, I don't believe that. There's different ones depending on the context. Okay, okay. well, one, I'm going to relate to one of our previous guests and just to paint a picture on how small the world is. Okay. So remember Ruben we had on like from Singapore and he is originally from India. So fun fact, 2019, I went to Estonia. I participated in a hackathon and I was in a team with a girl who was studying in Estonia at the university, but she was also participating in the hackathon and we were in the same team. And she was from Goa, the same region Ruben was from. And yeah, a few weeks ago, I saw his Instagram and I just asked him, do you know this person, this girl? Surprisingly, they went to the same university. Oh, really? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, so the, the six degrees separate the six degrees of separation is a real thing, and I guess it's not even six degrees anymore. It's just like two degrees, and then that's it. Everybody's connected now. Oh, awesome! That's a pretty pretty cool story. So I was uh, hoping you were gonna go into a route of yeah yeah. Yeah, I, I have a more interesting travel story, maybe. Uh, okay, go ahead. I th I think. The, the the jumping out of a plane and doing the bungee stuff that was already kind of like was already out there. But go ahead, show, share a little bit Maybe more. The other story is 2017 when I went for the Hack for Climate Hackathon in Germany. With when it was you know crypto was booming and we applied for the hackathon. Me and another friend Joel, you know Joel from our Hive community. So we were selected and we went to Germany. So we took our flights from here. It was actually the first time both of us kind of, you know, traveled on our own, like really, really on our own. So we booked uh, tickets. Uh, apparently, we could have just taken a train from Amsterdam to Bonn, the city we had to go in Germany, but we didn't know anything. So the, the agency booked tickets to Amsterdam and then to, I think it was Frankfurt, and then we had to take yeah. a train from Frankfurt to Bonn. So we went, took the plane to Frankfurt, and that's where something happened. Apparently around November, end of October, November, I don't know ex the exact date, there's a tradition in Germany where they prepare for carnival. So we arrived in Frankfurt. It was very weird, almost midnight, late at night. And first of all, we couldn't find our luggage. Oh God! The the luggage was you know we were running around uh, trying to find our luggage, but eventually we found some people from the the I think the train or the airport that helped us. We located our luggage, and then we had to get on the train. And the whole infrastructure was a mess. Why was it a mess? Because of carnival, people were partying, everything. So we just went on a train. Luckily, it was the right train, and the train was empty. The train was empty. I think there was only one or two other people in that train and we didn't know where to get off. So suddenly the, the train starts stop, the, the train stops at the first stop and we check, try to check on Google Maps. Is this the right place? And we were hesitating and the door closes right in front of us as we want to get off and we actually overshoot or stop onto the next uh, town or city. And when we got out, as you see things in the movies, like, you know, people party away, partying, one sees body paint, everything, drinking, everything. We stepped out of the train and we were in the middle of that. <laughs> in Germany, midnight, in the cold. And you're in the, in the wrong city. In the wrong city. But fortunately, there was an old man there who was also looking for the train. And he was from Bonn, the town, the city we had to go to. And... He was friendly enough to guide us through it. So we went on a train with him and he brought us to the right city. Wow. Okay. This is a pretty, yeah, this is a pretty fun story. It's kind of getting lost and getting lost in Germany. And then so, we had to find the boat we had to get on 1 a.m. in the morning in the cold. So, so when it comes to problem solving, you always find solutions for any problem. You, you rarely or never complain. So how can people develop that skill or that mindset? First of all, you complain in your head. Don't let it show. 
Yeah, to bring this into some context, I won't say I find a solution for every problem, but I'm very pragmatic. I'm very positive oriented. And I think this comes to the, the first principles thinking as in, okay, this happened. You can't really do much about it, but what can you do with the, maybe I should relate this to video games. Which which makes more sense. Yeah, uh, video games, there's a lot of principles in video games, right? And very basic principles and problem solving. So I've played a lot of video games growing up. And from, you know, from basic Tetris to Mario, lots of puzzles, a lot of real-time strategies. And I think a lot of that development stems from that upbringing and that learning. So I, I've been able to recognize patterns very easily. And if something doesn't work out well, I can quickly in my head, like if you have a computer, put an if-else statement, like, okay, this <laughs> is wrong. And okay, what, what, what are the resources that we have and how can we optimize that? So I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, go play a lot of video games, but coming to terms that you can't really change much what has already happened. And look at what you have at that moment, look at what resources you have, look at what the situation is in that moment and how you can take advantage of that at that moment. I, I hope that makes some sense. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Quick, quickly, Linda wants to join in and say, love hearing the unusual experience. People love the train story. So I actually do want to jump into the, to the, to the last thing you said there. And because maybe I'll switch around on it uh, a little bit more, but I'm going to quickly do another question first before I do that. What, from where do you get your drive to keep going no matter what? It's kind of a similar question, but it's also a question that people ask for the Ask Me Anything. On a grander scale, the, the drive is just to, you know, have fun. If, if I do something, it's got to be fun. I got to enjoy it. Even me, if the process is very tedious at times. Okay, I, I got a controversial answer for this. Okay, go ahead. We're listening. A, a model I've been using lately, I think it was due to the lockdown that I thought of this last year when I was here in lockdown in New Zealand, is striving for a point of boredom. Striving for a point of boredom? Up to a point of boredom, yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what I mean with that is, well, why I thought of that is it is in moments of boredom, because this was in lockdown, you can't really do anything, that your mind is kind of forced to go into directions, to try something new, think out of the box, do something radical. And I've had this quite a few times, but uh, not to this extend at least with the lockdown is when you're in a point of boredom where you have nothing else to do it kind of motivates you in a way it drains you at first but then supercharges you to do something so i would say a drive would be striving to that point but not reaching that point and that's where the enjoyment comes in okay it is it is controversial it is controversial. I'll let it sink in for a moment. 
As for the previous thing that I wanted to ask about the last question, what is your favorite all-time video game? Just quickly, Gregory says, we need more lockdowns. <laughs> is that what you're saying? You you need a sabbatical. You need to go somewhere, you know, or, you know, zero yourself. But yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, favorite video game? It depends on the genre, but currently, I'd have to say Final Fantasy fourteen specifically. Okay. For those of the people watching and myself, what kind of game is it? It's an RPG MMO. If you're familiar with World of Warcraft, it's kind of uh, similar to that, but in the Final Fantasy universe. Okay, but it's it's more strategic than quick draws and 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 quick hands and gameplay. It's it's open world. It's very yeah, I won't say turn based, but you have at least this one is very story driven, but it's also very community driven. It's one of the best communities in any space I've experienced so far. And the story is very, very, very great. Okay, so they paid a lot of time. And you're saying Final Fantasy, which it isn't? Fourteen. So that, that already kind of gives you an idea that if there are 14 of those, then there must be a solid storyline in there to keep going. Yeah, so the, the thing with Final Fantasy, they're all, they are all separate stories, like one, two, three, four, but they are single-player mainline games mostly. 11 and 14 were the multiplayer online uh, games where you actually interact with other players, team up with other players, and 14 is... By far, even compared to the single line storylines, I find that very, yeah, at the top. So, but there's no crypto gaming for you or is there? Not at this point. But then what I'm looking for is once crypto or once these industries get there, get integrated with crypto. That's what I find interesting because these games have economics in them. These games have politics in them. It's basically running a business if you're running a guild or a, a free company, as they call it. You have to, you have ranks and everything. So there's a lot of organizational stuff you could learn from that. So there is tokenization possible. Yeah, there is a market economy where people sell stuff, gear. So think about once you get crypto into that and you can make that special gear or you earn that special gear from a very difficult... Uh, crafting or a, a very difficult rate and you could potentially trade that or maybe there's only one of it in the whole world and the first person that gets it gets it and there, there's people that will want to you know get their hands on it it's if it's for flexing reason if it's for you know showing off reasons or just for personal accomplishment i see a lot of potential in that you know tokenization of equipment assets gaming assets and even from that that's in game but even from a development standpoint creating assets for game development like textures like vehicles for example that you could tokenize and implement in one game and you as a great artist or game designer just create these assets and tokenize them and the more game developments use them you also get rewarded for that in the past year i've sold a dcd nft so a dcd card a crypto game card for 30 bucks. I sell multiple NBA top shots for over 30 bucks. So there is definitely some some movement there. I would ask you which 
which currently offline game or organization would you want to see on the blockchain the most? Well, not on the blockchain at as of now, like yeah. off chain. So off, off chain, chain, off chain. So what off chain game or plat or organization would I want to see on the blockchain? Yeah. So give just to give a little bit context. Yesterday, somebody from the NBA Top Shot community asked, like, what's your favorite moment in NBA history? Would you? And then he said, screw it. What's your favorite moment in all of sports that you would like to have an NFT on? And for me, it was easy. Anthony Nesty beating Matt Biondi at the 1988 Olympics, that time squeeze of hundreds of a second in which we got our first gold medal. For me, I want dips. Whenever the Olympics, the Olympics comes out with moments on the Olympics and you can own them, that's the moment I want to own. The Nasty winning the, the gold on the, at the Olympics. So for me, like that would be very interesting if the Olympics became came to the blockchain and started producing NFTs that you could own. But for you, what would be your or the organization of the or the project that you would love to see on the blockchain? I actually cannot think of one on the spot that I think would be ready or would want. Because, yes, I'm very into the crypto space, but I'm not too much into collecting. Okay. Maybe not yet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair fair enough. I Yeah, I, I don't have collections of anything no coins no pokemon cards no board ape uh, sadly I, I was too late for that one i tried to get into that one but if, if i would do that it would be more in a position of kind of flipping it you know uh, leveraging that if it's comics manga or whatever so but for me personally i don't have that need to own stuff like that but i could see it as an alternative type of investment then I would approach it from that perspective, but not just to you know have it for vanity reasons. Of course, I want to jump into the free friends, but we have a question from Gregory, who is asking from recent space news and development, Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson? I, I'm, I've seen something pa- some things pass by. I'm not too sure on the intricacies of these stories. I saw that, you know, Virgin Galactic or whatever his uh, space company is called, they were pushing something like win two seats or to, to get, go to space with them for the first flight or something. So I, I haven't really followed that news quite yet, but... Richard Branson, Virgin, or Jeff Bezos with Amazon. I'm not sure. My personal preference is still on Elon. <laughs> okay, well, I guess Gregory has his answer there. Talking about blockchain and also the hackathons that you've participated in, what's a hidden talent that you have? Spell your secrets. I suck at a lot of things, but I can recognize and connect them very quickly. Uh, or let's say I'm very average in most things, but I can quickly draw relationships and see the potential impact it would have if things were connected to each other. And that comes with the pattern recognition and basically problem solving that I've developed through video games. Okay. Let's go a little bit back. So what was the first video game that you've played? Super Mario, was it World? Super Mario World, yeah. Super yeah. Mario World with uh, Yoshi and 
it was on the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo. I got it as a kid for my birthday. And it was Did you finish it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay I, cool. I finished it multiple times. Back, back then, if you look back now, you finish it in one, two, three. But back then, you know, it was a, a whole <laughs> different time time experience. Now you have speed runs to see whether or not you can finish stages in five minutes, five in five minutes. So, what was your first mobile phone? Which brand? And how often do you refresh and buy a new phone? First one that I got new, new, so not you know secondhand, secondhand from you know my brother or someone. My first new one was the Sony Ericsson. Was it the eight hundred ten with the with the Walkmans? It, it was the Walkman, the kind of Walkman play phone with the orange buttons. I, I had a black one with the orange buttons and a stick in the middle. But that was the first one I had, you know, brand new, my own phone. And this was around the time, yeah, last last year of high school, I think. Yeah, last year of high school. But it got stolen from me at university when there was, you know, exams and I was studying in the library and I forgot it on the table. And when I came back, it was gone. And it wasn't back to be found at a uh, lost and found, unfortunately. Nope. And then I switched uh, to Android. I skipped the whole BlackBerry phase. And then I got the HTC. Which one was it? An HTC phone. I forgot which one it was. But that was my first Android phone. And which one do you have now? So I personally have a OnePlus Nord now. In regards to how often I refresh... There was a time I used to, I had the HTC for a while and I was experimenting with it as well. I think two years maybe, but then I switched to Google, the Google, was it the Pixel, before the Pixel line, the Nexus phones, yeah, the Nexus line. And I would always get from the Nexus 4, always get the next Nexus every year to upgrade. So you've never had an iPhone? No, I have never had and an you've iPhone. never had a Samsung? Never had a Samsung, never had an iPhone, never had a BlackBerry. So this is an interesting, I'll skip the BlackBerry part, but I think you're one of the few or even the only person I know that never had either an iPhone or a Samsung and has had phones for the past 10 plus years. That's, that's really, that's really yeah, interesting. I had a Nexus 4, the Nexus 5, the Pixel 6, the OnePlus 5, and now So what kept OnePlus you away Note. from both Samsung and Apple? Just the, the vanilla Android experience. It was clunky, the Nexus line, I got to be fair, but I enjoyed the minimal experience. But once I switched over to OnePlus, that was just the best of the vanilla Android, but very smooth and optimized. And okay, OnePlus explain. was kind of the underdog, underdog brand. What's vanilla Android? Vanilla Android, any, no bloatware, no Samsung stuff, no added stuff from HTC or something like that. So it's pure Android. And why I had that, you could easily flash custom firmware on it. I was into that in the early days. So I, I put custom software on it to just optimize it. But slowly I phased out of that phase. And when I switched to OnePlus, it was just how it had to be from the beginning, like very, very smooth. Very, very interesting. Last question about the past. What was your first job? Okay, let's just say it like this. I've never had an employer. I was never employed by someone else. This is really interesting. So I, I quickly want to jump into 
how come you've never been ever been employed? I'd say that the first thing was, you know, you had school first. Um, it had crossed my mind, you know, uh, you see other kids, you know, getting a vacancy job, summer job, whatever. I never got kind of forced or had a need to do that. I would just focus on finishing school. But when I went to university, it was more like you have to finish university first and then uh, do something else. So I was never in that position that I had to be forced to do a job. So that was kind of, I'd say, fortunate as well. But on the other side, I just enjoy doing stuff for myself. I was already designing as a side just for fun. And then, you know, people approach you. Hey, can you do this for this school event, sport event? And that was what kind of side things you, you, you do. But then it was, I told this story, I think, before my brother, brother stopped his job at Haven Customs and we just decided, yeah, let's just start a company where none of us had zero. I, I knew design, but none of us had, had, you know, company experience. And that's how we started before or during that process. There was a, a senior who did approach me because he was working for an IT company and he, he saw my, I guess, talent, I guess. And he said, yeah, you should apply. So I, I didn't actually apply. They approached me to come for a, you know. Yeah, you came in for, yeah. For an interview. For an interview. And a job interview, yeah. They did this kind of open my eyes as well. They did this in this interaction as in usually from what my observation is that is quo, you know, you apply for jobs, you send your CVs, blah, blah, blah. You go through the traditional process and you go through the interview stage. I went straight to the interview stage, basically. Usually uh, the the applicant, you know, caters to, you know, I want to work here because this is this. My approach was why I, I had a cocky approach. I was demanding unreasonable things and I still got through the second, through the second interview <laughs> and I had no intention to actually accept the offer and they wanted me. And then I was like, huh, there's something here. There's, there's supply and demand. I could do this for myself. Yeah, you definitely could. But let's, let's rephrase the question then. What's the first job that you did as a contractor? Yeah, I guess it was, hmm. it was some sort of design or a logo or something like that. Very amateurish, I'd say. I don't remember. And what program did you design it? Maybe that gives people a little bit of a grasp. Of. I used to use GIMP. If you don't know GIMP, no, uh, I don't actually. it's a very open source old program. It was kind of the Illustrator or Photoshop free alternative at the time. I used to do that practice in that drawing stuff, but then I transitioned to Photoshop and Illustrator very quickly because the integration. So you never used paint? No, skip the paint. Oh man, I, <laughs> I made a whole... Yeah, I think I made a whole a calendar, a birthday calendar in paint. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> the dedication. It, looks, it, it looks terrible though. But it 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 actually was owned by over over thirty people. So <laughs> so okay. So we have some roundup questions. Could you share maybe one of your biggest successes in life and one of your biggest failures? Okay, let's start with the failure. Yeah, failure is very subjective. I call it a failure, but I'm glad it happened. It's basically when 
2015, 16, when I wanted to start, we actually started a company, an IT company. It's called Schrikkel, like from Schrikkel year. The idea came from oh, Leap year. Um, I so that. we had this, yeah, we, we had this company. And the, the failure in that was the, the partnership didn't work out. And I've kind of learned how business structures should be into should be put into place just for safety financial and future reasons so that kind of crashed and the relationship was very yeah should i call it toxic but very one-sided or not the amount of effort you put into it and just the amount of yeah not everybody was aligned so people were not not it wasn't in the People were not acting in accordance to the benefit of the company. So I made the hard decision. All right, it's time to, you know, disband it, close all the open projects that we had. We had a running project, so we had to pay the, the company back. But fortunately, I was planning the worst case scenario. I identified it earlier, so I was already preparing. I had crypto investments through the company as well, so that kind of saved us as well, strategic choices. Um, but I came out of it pretty much net positive, but with a lot of experience. Yeah, you could call that a failure. Company crashed and burned. Okay, and biggest success? Biggest success? Yeah, what is biggest success? Yeah. This podcast could be a, a, a big success. Getting to travel around to New Zealand was a big success. But if if you would if you would make an NFT out of your life, like different moments, what would be the most valuable NFT? <laughs> the New Zealand experience. At this point, the New Zealand experience. Okay. I, I've got to give it to that. So, what are your values? And are you being true to them? Wow, these people are actually so hard. Man, I'm really hoping I'm getting easier questions than this one. Such a deep question. Like, when did you start walking? Or what were your first words? You know, that's a lot easier when it comes to ask me anything. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a, a whole uh, coaching session. And <laughs> So what are your... What are your values and are you being true to them? Yeah, this one's always difficult. I've, I've answered this a few times, but every time I forget, maybe I should write them down or somewhere. But then again, you know, these are momentary, momentary things that you think of on the spot. But I'd have to say, honestly, freedom. And to add one more, I'd say... Yeah, integrity as in be true to yourself, whatever happens, and that other people, you know, just see yeah, how you are. Don't 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 put on a, a mask or so ear more authenticity or more integrity. Yeah, what's this very fine line there between them? Eh? I I'd, I'd stick to integrity. Integrity. Yeah, let, let's keep it at that. Okay. And am I being true what? to them? I I try to. Uh, as, as much as possible, uh, especially through past experiences. I'm, I'm very blunt or straightforward now. I, I used to be less in, in the past, but you know, I, I bring up, I, I, at least I try to bring up some things very early on. 
Okay, so let's let's go to the future. What is the legacy you want to leave behind? Another big one, Jesus. I'm not very big picture driven. I need to send a rocket to the moon type of guy. It's more like should be able to live, you know, as a good human being and enjoy that process. And if I had to have to leave something behind is to show that you can do what you want when you want it as an individual, as long as you, you know, stay true to yourself, invest in education and continuously develop yourself while having fun. And if someone can take an example of that, internalize it and apply it to their own life, then great. So before I go to the final question, I have one one from Gregory. What pet peeves annoy you as a fully developed introvert? Hmm. What was an example of a pet peeve? Let me think. Can you help him out, Gregory? Like what kind of, what's a pet peeve? What kind of pet peeve? And do you actually mean that, that are Diego's pet peeves of pet peeves of others that annoy him? And while we're waiting for that answer, yeah, yeah. that question <laughs> by Gregory, on, that would be cool. we have a closing one here. Are you single and ready to mingle? I bet a woman asked that one. Are you single or, and ready to mingle? Yeah, sure. Slide into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yes, yes, uh, we're, waiting, we're waiting on, on Gregory to rephrase the pet peeve question. But what's your, what's your biggest pet peeve? Let's start off with that one. Could you do name an example? I'm, I'm trying to picture what a pet peeve is. I, I've heard it before, but I, I just yeah, can't. So, so pet peeve meaning, let's quickly uh, Google that one for you. Something that a particular person finds specifically annoying. So one of my biggest pet peeves is poor customer service. I can't think of one straight away, but from others, it's being unnecessarily loud. Let's put it that way. Being unnecessarily loud. Yeah, that makes total sense as a fully developed introvert. So Gregory says, I'm an introvert and I hate when somebody just comes visiting my house without calling me first. I wouldn't even open the door. Yeah, I, I, I get that one. But yeah, that, that one doesn't annoy me as much as just people being unnecessarily loud in the area. Yeah, that, that's just... <laughs> Luckily, I have some very good noise-canceling headphones now. So. <laughs> so this is the end of the Ask Me Anything with Diego. Of course, Diego, we've asked you a lot of questions. That was some ridiculously hard questions. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you now, what is your question to the viewers, to the ones watching and listening in? What question do you want to have answered by them for the next for next week? So to the viewers, my question is, I'm going to drop two. One for the show and one for themselves. One for the show, just to get some feedback. What would you like to see differently or improved on social convos? And do you have a suggestion on how we could do that? And the more personal question is, easy one, what's your net worth? Have you calculated what your net worth is? Okay, so let's quickly recap the two, recap the two questions. One question about the show, one question for our viewers and listeners. Go ahead, let's recap them. Yeah, the, the question for the show is, how could we improve or change the show, the show to cater better to you guys. And if you have a suggestion on how to do that, 
we're open to it. And the personal question is to the viewer, do you know what your net worth is? All right. This has been Social Confos. Diego, quickly on the recordings and where they can view and watch this afterwards. All right. So we've reached the end of Social Confos. Ask me anything edition. This episode will be released on the podcasting platforms and on the websites on Saturday. So if you've missed it, missed part of it, or you know, have someone that would enjoy this type of content, send it to them. We'd appreciate if you guys rate us. If you're listening on iTunes, rate us on iTunes as well. Five star reviews would be awesome. Yeah, we'll be here again next week with another Ask Me Anything, but this time it's going to be Sean Luke. So drop your questions for Sean Luke uh, on his social media. We'll collect them all and we'll go through it just like we've done today. But with that being said, that is it for this week. That was Social Confos. Thank you for tuning in. We're back next week on the regular time, 9 p.m. Surinamese time. Thank you for watching. See you. Bye bye.